0: is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. So if you would turn, please, there in your copy of the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And if you'll follow along as I read. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds, love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you say the day drawing near this is the word of the Lord Chuck thank you for your prayer this morning
1: um and we need to just keep praying as God's people that justice will roll down one day justice will roll down just like water running down the mountains one day justice will roll down. And I hope that, and I know that there are still lots of details to unfold and, um, in these criminal actions and accusations and, um, and cases being made against. I know that there's still information to unfold, but I do hope that you will let the tragedy of the moment disturb you. Just and pray that God would God would call his church to act in simple, humble, godly ways, stepping toward others. Um, yeah, so thank you, Chuck, for the way you voiced what you did and how you prayed wisely and Um, yeah just meaningfully about where we are so we had selected this text uh, as our next one another we're in a series if you're visiting with us for the first time you're a guest with us today Uh, yeah who would have thought we would have guests on the second week back in COVID world so welcome if you are visiting with us for the first time and we're glad that you're here we're in a series called Uh, The one-anothers, we're just walking through the one-another expressions of the New Testament, and today we're thinking about drawing near to one another. I got an unexpected text message on Tuesday morning from a friend who lives here in the valley, and um, I thought I'd just read it to you. Here's what he said. I have not been very focused on the Word and my spiritual life during this time, meaning the last 12 weeks. I realize I'm exhausted, I need people, I need support, just wanted to reach out. So I texted him back within just a moment, can you meet this morning, are you available to meet this morning? He said, yeah, I think I actually can, my schedule's different than normal and so we ended up at a coffee shop in a legal place outside, you know, following the rules and, and we just started talking, and after a few minutes, of ca- few minutes of catching up, he confessed a sin struggle that's been especially tempting to him over the last, you know, couple of months. And, so, and I listened, and then I confessed um, to him a recent outburst of anger toward one of my boys that had happened the day before, You know, that was fairly, um, it was just, yeah, it was wrong. It was, um, and he listened, and then we prayed for one another, and I could tell he was listening because of the way he prayed for me. He prayed that I would be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Like he prayed the passage that I preached on last week. Somebody throw a flag or something. Like I thought you memorized that. I thought you already got that. And I prayed for him that his temptation would take on a nasty stench and horrible aftertaste. And that we would help each other stop just playing defense and we would play offense. And we would... You know, just we, I think we left that moment realizing how much believers need each other in the body of Christ to live through this world. You cannot do this alone. You were not made to do this alone. Hebrews 10 is especially helpful to us today because it shows us how drawing near to God enables us to draw near to one another. Hebrews 10 is, is this section we're in right now, verses 19 through 25, is, is built on the very idea that drawing near to God then radically changes the way that we relate to one another. I want to, uh, I want to encourage you that this morning. I, I want you to hear that drawing near to God will inevitably pull you closer to one another. On the other hand, when you are not drawing near to God, You will inevitably distance yourselves from one another. Spouse, family member, friends, work associates, church life, Bible study class, community groups. It's inevitable. You've seen this in your life if you've been a Christian for any length of time. It is the way the cursed world works. You distance yourself from God, and you will be distanced from one another. So drawing near is what we're thinking about today. I want to roll out three points. Number one, drawing near begins with Jesus. Secondly, it purposefully and gracefully engages others. And third, it delights in the presence of others. Begins with Jesus, purposefully and gracefully engages others, and delights in the presence of others. Drawing near to one another begins with Jesus. Verse 19, let's start there. Listen again to what Jesus has done for us. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. The author of Hebrews here, in verses 19 and 20, is trying to, to open our eyes to, to Jesus as the perfect fulfillment of the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Right Now, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is not a place anybody can go anytime they want to. Right? You remember this from the Old Testament, from the tabernacle, from the temple. There's a unique thing happening in the Holy of Holies. And the writer of Hebrews here is trying to make a point that Jesus is the perfect fulfillment of all of that work up to this point. It all prefigured Christ. And now because of the work of Jesus on the cross, we can enter into the holy place where before only a priest could go. The high priest once a year to make sacrifice and atonement for sins. But now Jesus has opened a new and living way. So, so through the tearing of his own flesh, that's the way the imagery works, through the tearing of his own flesh on the cross, the, the veil of the, of the curtain was torn and fully opened forever, never to be put back together again. And that's why verse 22 says, look, now therefore, right? Verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. We therefore can draw near to God Right? In verse 22, he's referring to drawing near to God because Jesus has opened the veil through his own flesh because he has sprinkled his atoning blood on our hearts. Right? It's not just the, the, the Ark of the Covenant that was sprinkled with blood. or It's not just the lampstand that was sprinkled with blood. Now the writer of Hebrews says, your own heart has been sprinkled clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful image. That's what allows us to come into the presence of God, to draw near to God. Now here's the cool thing about the gospel. It doesn't just stop with me getting a clean heart and a new heart and being able to draw near to God, right? Now we can draw near to one another like never before. That's the natural outworking, the God intended outworking of drawing near to Him is that we might then draw near to one another as new, changed, being made new, being reclaimed kind of people. Jesus is changing us, not just the day we got converted, he's changing us through his atoning work. From that moment on, he's changing our isolated and selfish hearts. He's healing our resentful hearts. He's cleansing deep into the depraved nature of man, how we have seen depravity in the last few weeks, how we have seen depraved nature, how we have seen the depraved human condition in hatred and human superiority and abuses of justice or abuses of authority and gross injustice. Again, I know that there are facts still unfolding, but I, I want you to hear that that there is there's no question in our country in the last three weeks there's just been the 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 perpetu- the, the the exercise of gross injustice in the name of justice. It's just horrible. Depravity is real. Don't don't think for a moment that human depravity is not real. So that's why this, that's why this one another language is so important to us. Because draw so here's the here's the thesis of the first point. Because drawing near to God enables us to draw near to one another. Whether we're talking about the human, you know. Are brothers and sisters in humanity or brothers and sisters in the body of Christ? It, drawing near to God enables us to draw near. Here, the context of Hebrews 10 is, is brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Let me show that to you in verse 19. So I wanna just show you from the text that there's a lot of emphasis on the one another here, on the people side of this. Not just the God side, but our interaction with each other. Look at verse 19. He says, therefore brothers. He addresses others as brothers and sisters. Then in verse 22, he says, let us. He doesn't say, let me. He says, let us. Again, verse 23, let us. Again, verse 24, let us. Then in verse 24, you have the expression, one another. And again, in verse 25, you have the expression, one another. All of these things build to make a case for for drawing near to God is changing the way we're relating to one another. The moment you place your faith in Jesus to forgive you and cleanse you, At that very moment, the blood of Christ, so by, here's what we believe happens, by faith we rest our hope in Jesus, right, as our great high priest who, who, you know, as long as he stands in heaven, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Nobody can say you don't belong here. As long as Jesus is making atoning sacrifice for my sins, as long as he pleads my case, So from the very moment that you place your faith in Christ as that one, then His atoning work, His blood is sprinkled on your heart. And by faith, that changes everything. And it transforms all your relationships. It changes the way you relate to God and everyone around you. The moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven And now you've got this new way to deal with and relate to people around you. It changes everything. Drawing near to one another begins with Jesus and his beautiful, cleansing, atoning sacrifice. Secondly, drawing near to one another purposefully and gracefully engages other people. This is what we mean. What, what the Bible, I think, intends as we think about one another's life is that we would purposefully and gracefully engage in one another's lives. Look at verse 24. And let us, so, so verse 23, let's hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering because the one who promised is faithful. Let's Let's stay in our gospel confession because he's done this for us. And, and then in verse 23 is sort of a hinge between God and man, right? So we we're just talking about what God's done for us. Let us therefore hold fast the confession. And you get to verse 24. And, and let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good deeds. Let us think about it. Let's consider. Let's reflect on this. Let's creatively put time and energy into thinking about how we could stir up one another and and love one another. We put so much time and energy into thinking about things we want to do. I mean, the human creature is amazing in terms of creativity and energy and interest and we love to think about, we love to ponder, we love to reflect on the things we want to do or are interested in. This may be one of the most underrated of the one another's. We do not spend enough time thinking creatively and constructively about how to help each other live out the gospel. And we should do so gracefully, purposefully and gracefully, gracefully and lovingly not I have a wonder, wonderful plan for your life, like I have a wonderful plan for your life. Right? You see this in the church life, and you see this in Christianity. We're going to stir up one another to love and good deeds as long as you're doing what I think you should be doing. Be careful with that, right? There's a self-righteousness that can easily come in thinking we know how to do this. Look closely again at verse 24. It says, stir up. This is a great word. It, the, the word here carries a lot of energy and action. In fact, three times in the New Testament, it's used in a negative sense. So-and-so provoking so-and-so. Uh, provoking, stirring one another up. You know, like we're really good at that. We, we know how to do that. We are willing to put time and energy into kind of creating trouble, right? That's, that's the human condition. Here, it's used in a good sense stir up stir up goodness it is look it is so much easier i hope you'll admit this it is so much easier to light a match of discontentment to just light a match of discontentment and negativity and complaint just drop into the middle of a conversation and then slide out isn't that fun for a minute got a speaker here Thank you, by the way, for that. I need the monitor. It's troubling that we seem to enjoy that. Drop a match in the middle of a conversation and walk away soon. There's a fire of discontentment. James says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. The tongue is a fire. How much better would it be for you and I to purposefully and gracefully use our words and our actions, our actions more than our words, to stir up love and good deeds inside the church family, inside family life, outside in the community. How can we stir up one another to love and good deeds? How, How can we step into a world full of hate and cruelty and instead of just dropping a match or throwing a Molotov cocktail, actually stir up love and good deeds in the community that desperately needs the gospel. Like, that's what the church is called to do. Jesus was all the time moving toward people in order to bless them, help them, heal them. He even had a special interest in those who were being mistreated, oppressed, overlooked, Dehumanized. One author wrote, Jesus was just constantly walking the earth, rehumanizing the dehumanized, bringing them back into a place of human flourishing, human equity, beauty. The life, and think about this, yes, we emphasize the death of Jesus, and we should emphasize the atoning death of Jesus. We love the cross, we love to sing about the cross, and we should, but you don't get the cross without a beautiful, perfect life, or the cross means nothing. And his beautiful, perfect life was an amazing, inspiring call to us. I mean, the life and the ministry of the Son of God was one long act of stirring up what? Love and good deeds. I mean, you could just see and hear in the background the life of Jesus. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's who Jesus was, that's what he did. And then his life culminated in a powerful act of sacrifice because, through his death, because of the way that he lived. It's a beautiful thought. Like, if you want to follow Jesus this week, I mean, you came to church, right? you you, you, you got to almost want to follow Jesus to do that. So if you want to follow Jesus this week, ask God, pray, oh God, please help me to stir up others to love and good deeds, to genuine interest in other people more so than ourselves. So, drawing near... To one another it begins with Jesus and then it purposefully gracefully right not in a self-righteous way not in an off-putting way it steps toward people it engages people it listens it, it moves further in it touches it heals it blesses here's the third thing the third thing is drawing near to one another genuinely delights in the presence of other people genuinely delights in the presence of others. Because none of this could really be sustained over time unless we truly delight in the presence of other people. And in this context, Hebrews 10, delight in the presence of other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. At first I was thinking, you know it's too soon to use this passage. Hebrews ten twenty five. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as as is the habit of some. You know, people may feel like I'm guilting them into returning to church. I thought, this is too soon to do this. And I thought, well, let me just explain and make a plea for what I'm actually after so that it's not misunderstood. So that's that's what I'm doing. Let me be really clear. You should never attend church Because a person guilted you into going. Ever. A pastor, a father, a mother, a grandparent. Christianity does not work that way. We do not coerce people into faith. We do not manipulate people into faith. You should never go to church because you have been guilted by a person into that moment. You should never do it. so I am not talking about that this morning just I want to be really clear I'm not saying that what I want to do is I want to help you see in verse 25 there is something embedded here that is rich um, and beautiful Uh, the question is this I'm not not asking you if you're coming back to church this week or this month, right? Those who were watching in the first service and the recording and those who watch online. I'm not asking if you're going to come back this week or this month. I'm asking if you want to and why. There's a difference. I'm asking, do you long for other people who love the gospel? I'm asking, do you long for the presence of other believers? Do you miss drawing near to one another? Let me show you what I saw in verse 25 that has become clear to me this week that I really have not seen so clearly before. Verse 25 has an element of personal responsibility in it. It's really significant. Now the ESV doesn't really help us see that. It says not neglecting to meet together. It's almost there. The NIV, same thing. It doesn't really help us see the personal responsibility. The uh, New King James Version gets a little closer. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Or the New American Standard, not forsaking our own assembling together. Or Wycliffe has it, our gathering together. Like the emphasis on the personal pronoun. This is our responsibility to do this. So probably the better renderings of verse 25 include something more explicit like this not neglecting to gather ourselves together, to bring, not neglecting to bring ourselves to this gathering. The sense of the text is what Abraham Kuyper described as coming together, a a coming together of ourselves for the sake of being in each other's presence not to attend a concert, not to attend a lecture, not even to attend a sermon or attend singing, but to be present with one another. The point is that we would take personal responsibility to gather with one another because we delight in drawing near to God with other believers. Like there is something really cool, mysterious, and amazing that happens when we as a people gather for the express purpose of praise and worship and delight, and we do so in one another's presence. It's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Not neglecting that, as is the habit of some. One of the concerns that pastors have all over the valley right now is that this distance is going to habituate some people from attending the body and the gathering consistently. It's gonna make online worship legal. Hey, this is super, hey, in fact, somebody told me the other day, man, I, I loved going to church in my pajamas, do we have to come back? And if this person wanted to come back, so you can, it was just, yeah, just good humor. But there is a real concern That you can habituate yourself. That's that's what's going on here in verse 25. You could habituate yourself. You could practice yourself. You can practice yourself out of the very thing that you need the most. Be careful that you don't do that. People will often say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. If by that you mean a church building, you don't have to go to a church building. Well, that's true. You don't have to go to a church building to be a Christian. But if you mean by that, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. If you mean by that, you don't have to gather with other believers. That you don't have to practice loving siblings that you would not have chosen for yourself. That you don't need a place to make other people more important than you are. If you're saying you don't need those things, if you're saying I don't really need that kind of, you know, it's really easy to misunderstand this. Someone says, "Well, and you've heard it preached, and I believe it." Like if there were just, if it was just you, Jesus would have died for you. If it was just you, Jesus would have died for you. That's yeah, that's true. But he did not just die for you. He's not just making himself one person to redeem. He's making a people for himself. He's making a whole people, a whole humanity. And it's a gross misunderstanding of scripture to overemphasize that kind of individualism. If you're saying you don't need other believers, if you're saying you don't need a place to practice loving people, if you're saying you don't need a place where you can, can, can dis, be disagreed with, if you're saying you don't need a place where you can make other people more important than your own, If you're saying you don't need a place to practice humility in light of the gospel and dependence on others bearing and sharing burdens, if you're saying you don't need any of those things, then it's not. It's not New Testament Christianity. Yeah, it's not a building. Nobody's making a case for the building. We're not making a case for the building. We're making a case for the people that are becoming a building cornerstone Jesus stones being shaped and beautifully put together to make a temple of the living God like that's what we're making a case for so what I'm asking this morning is not do you miss the preaching do you miss singing do you miss the building I haven't heard anybody say yet I miss tithing what we're asking listen what we're asking is Do you delight in the face of another person who's being changed through grace? And do you delight in picking up on that history and that conversation? And like, you know, I wonder how she's doing this week because of what's happening in their family. I wonder how so-and-so is doing with this new diagnosis. And he doesn't have much longer. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder if they are holding fast to the confession with hope. I wonder about that. See, the Christianity of the New Testament... It's not just Jesus is going to change your heart, wash you, clean you up, make you forgiven, and and give you a beautiful place in heaven. It's not just that. That definitely is true, and it starts with personal conversion, and you need to come to faith in Christ and be made new. No question about that, but it does not stop there. And it, it doesn't stop there because it wants to authenticate the gospel in your life. And it wants to make its way out into your home and your family and and, and your community and in your church family. So we want to pray that God will help us to draw near to one another. That God would infuse our one another life with a desire to draw near to one another. To step toward each other. Now I know this is harder for some people than others. I know that for some of you, your immediate response when you start to get into anything beyond, hey, it's a beautiful day, um, your immediate response is this, because I've been burned before. Like I trusted somebody with my heart before, and I did not like that. So, it's going to back up a little bit. I'm just going to watch for a little while. I understand that, but I want you to understand this: the further back you keep stepping, my hunch is that you're not just stepping back from people. Listen, you're stepping further from the Lord because he is in the business of bringing us back to himself and toward one another. So let's pray today that we will begin to fight in a good way, fight against that pull to distance ourselves. It's so natural, but it's not going to help you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you step toward the leper. That you step toward the woman at the well, her shame. Thank you that you step toward those who were not like you, those Gentiles. Thank you that you crossed racial boundaries, ethnic boundaries, demographics, uh, class, economic status. Thank you that you just pushed right straight through all of that and moved toward those who need rescue. We thank you today that you did that for us. We pray that you'll help us to draw near to one another. We pray in Jesus, in your precious name, for your sake. Amen.